Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, turtles and Tabasco enthusiasts, welcome to Clarifying Catholicism. You're watching part 19 of a series on the history of the ecumenical councils according to the Catholic Church. Today we are covering the Council of Florence. Much of this information was gathered from Joseph Kelly's The Ecumenical Councils of the Catholic Church, A History. So if you want an in-depth dive into these topics, please make sure to pick up a copy of his book. To see the rest of our episodes, check out our playlist in the description. Without further ado, on to the show. Last episode, we explored how three men claimed to be Pope at the same time, and the solution was the Council of Constance's declaration that the Pope had to submit to the authority of a church council. Another decree of the council involved mandating that popes must call councils every few years so the cardinals could check in on them. This policy was deeply resented by Pope Martin V, who sabotaged his own councils. The next pope, Eugenius IV, hated councils just as much, but unfortunately, Martin had just called one in Basel just before his death in 1431. The council was presided over by proconciliarist cardinals who were interested in chipping away at papal authority mostly his temporal power. Eugenius caught on to this and tried dissolving the council. His attempt failed, the council continued, and its members seized the papal bank accounts and effectively bankrupted the papacy. Again. Eugenius's fortunes soon shifted, though. In the 15th century, the Byzantine Empire was desperate for assistance against the Ottoman Empire. By now, the once great Byzantine Empire was on its last legs. Its only hope for survival was an alliance with Rome. So Eugenius organized a council in Ferrara in 1437, while the one in Basel was still going on, so that Eastern and Western representatives could meet. Unfortunately for Eugenius, most of the Basel delegation refused to comply and even declared him deposed. Luckily, the council at Basel soon fell into chaos and its acts were nullified. The council in Ferrara eventually became too expensive, so it was moved to Florence in 1439. After long negotiations with ambassadors from every Eastern Church, decrees of unity were issued with nearly every major Eastern diocese. Finally, a major breakthrough occurred when the Byzantines accepted Rome's use of the phrase, the Holy Spirit proceeds from the Father and the Son, or the Filioque, in the Nicene Constantinopolitan Creed, an issue we have touched on in a few of our previous episodes. Negotiations with smaller Eastern churches continued until 1445 when decrees of communion were written between just about every Eastern diocese and Rome. In the immediate aftermath, the West considered this a resounding success, as well as yet another humiliation to the East. The Eastern populace was initially reluctant to accept union with Rome, accusing their bishops of selling out. This changed in 1451, though, when the Turks tried taking Constantinople directly. The Pope was the only major Western power supporting the Byzantines, and the Bull of Union was officially proclaimed at the Church of St. Sophia, Constantinople's most important church. That said, while officials accepted this union, most of the citizens and clergy did not. Many Byzantine citizens would have rather accepted Muslim rule than to bow to the authority of Rome, thus coining the phrase, better a turban than a tiara. Unfortunately for Constantinople, in 1453, the city finally fell. St. Sophia was turned into a mosque, and the Patriarch of Constantinople fell under Islamic control. This all rendered the union between the East and West effectively dead. That's all for this episode of Clarifying Catholicism. See you next time.